this situation that was unfolding in America, which was unofficially, <laughs> turns out to be the end of lockdown, really, unofficially. Officially, the governments are still going along with the pantomime of the COVID crisis, uh, so much so that uh, increasing uh, public directives are coming through about uh, wearing masks in public, not just in the U.S., but in the U.K. Uh, there's a, a, a decree that's come down from the central party, uh, that central party office that is requiring people to wear masks on public transport. That includes buses, trains, every, anywhere in the country, uh, ferries, and, of course, uh, air travel as well. That's a bit strange considering the virus is on its way out, but yet the policies are being ramped up. Is this the new normal that we were being told about, that uh, we should get used to, that we should prepare ourselves for this new normal? How could it be? How could it be that uh, you'd be ramping up uh, wearing uh, face masks supposedly to stop the spread of coronavirus? How could it be? when the virus itself peaked in the United States at the end of March 2020. And in the UK, the same. It peaked, infections peaked at the end of March. Hospitalizations peaked on April 8th. Ever since that time, uh, the virus, despite the efforts of health officials to mark any death as a COVID death, which they possibly could, even if they didn't even test the person, if they just showed symptoms, they were being marked as COVID. Despite all that, pumping up the figures, um, it's still obviously in decline. I mean, one only has to look at any other country in the world, and you can see a, a, a quite predictable, clear trajectory uh, with regards to coronavirus infections and deaths in those countries. So, still, still. Uh, the United States and the and the UK are effectively running point now on this global pandemic. But if you look at the numbers, it's not really a pandemic. I guess you could say it's a, a bit of an epidemic, not much more than some of the serious uh, seasonal flu epidemics of, of recent years, most recently the 2017-2018 seasonal flu epidemic. Certainly the, the numbers uh, aren't even exceeding in, in some cases uh, when you look at flu, big flu seasons or the H1N1 swine flu. Uh, and still, despite all that, despite the fact that COVID-19's infection fatality rate is in the exact same range now, it's proven, as the seasonal flu, and it only affects really seriously uh, a certain specific demographic will only be at really risk of, of hospitalization. And uh, of that percentage, only a small percentage would be a, uh, could die from it. That specific demographic, of course, is uh, 70 and older with multiple long-term chronic health conditions. So the odds of you, first of all, showing any symptoms of coronavirus is extremely low and something that 99% of the population will not have to worry about. More than 99%, in fact. So, but yet, we're told uh, that we must rearrange society, we must rearrange human relations, we must shut down sections of the economy, we must uh, 
impose a oppressive social distancing regime, cut off human contact, make people to wear masks in public. We're told all these things because supposedly there's a threat of this virus that the imbecile, imbecilic, is that a word, imbecilic? imbecilic governments uh, in the United States, in this various state governors, health officials, the UK government, and various and sundry other European governments, are claiming that coronavirus could just break out at any moment, that there'll be a second wave. Everyone, brace yourself for the second wave. Oh, my goodness. When there was lock, anti-lockdown, anti-lockdown protests, which... Uh, spread across America a couple of weeks ago. We saw very big protests in California. Huntington Beach is one good example. And thousands of people came out, demanded that the city uh, and the state open up the beaches in L.A. And we also saw similar protests in Michigan uh, on the steps of the uh, state capitol there, putting pressure on uh, uh, the governor there. Uh, Benito Whitmer, I believe her name is, uh, putting pressure on the government to open up the state from lockdown. And there are other similar protests. These were all derided and characterized in the mainstream media as right-wing pro-Trump MAGA protests. And, of course, they were all shrieking in fear of the how dare all these people come out and break social distancing laws, come out without masks in public, during lockdown, uh, they're going to infect everybody and there's going to be a mass spike in deaths. Okay, you remember all that. That happened. Here we are many weeks later. Of course, that second wave didn't arrive. There was no uh, COVID genocide as a result of those protests. Uh, but yet the harpies uh, in the mainstream media and on social media c continued uh, repeating uh, these ridiculous canards with with no real scientific basis behind them. And then all of a sudden, over the, and we're now in our third week of the uh, George Floyd Black Lives Matter protests, and no, you don't just see a few people like we saw with the anti-lockdown protests, who, by the way, were all very law-abiding. Uh, there was no looting. Uh, there was no trashing of public property. Uh, but obviously some... Some people on the on the political left were th frightened that uh, any R Michigan residents showed up in an open carry fashion, uh, brandishing their firearms uh, legally. Uh, this this really frightened frightened a lot of people on the political left in America, and of course in other countries that don't have a right to bear arms. It was probably horrifying to see such scenes, but. You know, if you live in an open carry state in America or, you know, you live in a, most states in America, especially the ones off the coasts, it's not really shocking to see people with firearms. But the media make it sound like there's some militia insurrection that's boiling up every time those images get spread across the media. But anyway, BLM, Black Lives Matter... George Floyd protests, millions of people pour onto the street, millions of people in, in unprecedented numbers. Those protests cascaded across uh, something like 37 cities, 
major cities in America and, and many, many more locations uh, in addition to that. So we're talking about millions of people coming out, all packed in there pretty tight. And there was uh, not a word uh, about the fears of a, a COVID outbreak, uh, uh, no cries of social distancing, none of that. It was if uh, it was all suspended uh, to allow this to go forward. And in fact, health officials in the United States uh, basically encouraging their colleagues to go out and protest, believe it or not. And I think if anything, that proves that this is uh, a political uh, more more a political uh, concept of lockdown, of of social distancing. That the masks itself, the masks are uh, a, a, a political symbol. Uh, they're they symbolize compliance, compliance to. I'm not sure what. It's not compliance to protecting each other from the threat of COVID because if that was the concern, they wouldn't be out protesting. Now, we know on this show and the listeners who listen to this podcast will know that the threat is extremely overblown, has been from the beginning, and that you really don't need to wear a mask out in public. Well, it's not just me saying that. It's the World Health Organization it's even Dr. Anthony Fauci said that during a, I believe, a 60 Minutes interview. He's very adamant about it. Don't you don't need to wear a mask? It's not going to make a big difference," said Fauci back in, in April. Notice you haven't seen Fauci in front of the camera in the last three weeks. There's a lot, a lot of people haven't noticed that or haven't commented on that. He's kind of disappeared from the media. Okay, I have noticed, and uh, it's probably because. Uh, they've had a word with Fauci about this whole spectacle uh, is getting ridiculous, okay? And even Fauci has had to take a back seat, okay? So, but the World Health Organization did a U-turn this week. They said, no, 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 now, now we should wear masks in public. Now, was that a scientific statement or was that some kind of a political statement? Because why would the World Health Organization do a U-turn on something that basic? It took them two months to change their mind on it. So that really speaks to the inauthenticity of some of these claims of major health agencies. They have no idea. In fact, I could pull a number of studies right now. In fact, you can go ahead online and search for them that show that masks uh, have a nominal, if any, effect. But that's not the point. The point is COVID is not a threat. Even if it was a threat to a certain elderly and at-risk demographic two months ago, it is no longer a threat e even to the general public by any stretch of the imagination. Not now. It is seasonal by nature, flus, colds. They're seasonal by nature for a reason. But the authorities and those who would like to extend this lockdown and new normal culture, they don't want you to think about that. They don't want you to know what the real science is. They want you to follow the propaganda lines that are being rinsed, recycled, and repeated in the media every day, every day, every week. And, and they want to continue. This is a campaign of fear. Why are governments doing this? 
Why is the media going along with it? When it's clearly not a threat, why are scientists being censored from YouTube? Dr. John Ioannidis, top epidemiologist and statistician, Stanford University, arguably one of the best universities in the country, if not the world, his video is getting pulled down from YouTube. Dr. Nutwakowski, one of the top epidemiologists in the world, his interview is being pulled down from YouTube by Google, by a corporation in the Silicon Valley that has a vested interest in this, quote, new normal. They are censoring scientific experts on an active uh, state of emergency, which I call a crime scene, on an active crime scene. So uh, they're gaming the system from both sides. But this is wonderful. Like we said before, we're very happy about this because it shows it's showing a lot of mainstream people what these uh, Silicon Valley oligarchs are like is it's not about uh, uh, fighting fake news. It's not about uh, making sure the public are getting the right information. They put COVID warnings all over everything. If you look on, on Google and YouTube, this is a massive propaganda exercise and top-down state control of information. This is fascism writ large, and it's not national in the United States. It's global because of the reach and because of the global utility aspect of platforms like Google, Facebook, YouTube. I just got censored on Facebook. Why? I posted an interview by Germany's top virologist, Dr. Street, which was done for unheard.com. I posted that on Facebook. I was accused of being in violation of community standards and uh, threatened with various penalties uh, because that post, according to them, one of the top virologists in Europe, okay, that was uh, threatening people with physical harm. Those are the words on the Facebook warning uh, uh, below the community standards violation notice. Incredible, isn't it? That's quite an accusation that I'm putting people at physical harm by posting an interview from one of the top experts in the field in this active situation. So as a media outlet, we try to select, we try to curate the highest quality uh, information that we can, in, in, as much as we can, as best we can, and present that to our readers and listeners which is what we did. And Facebook says that's a violation of community standards, censorship. Incredible. The system has never been so openly corrupt as it is right now. So we move along to the protests. And again, anybody that's still wearing a mask right now, and I realize there's people who, who, who are wearing it for different reasons, there's, there's people who wear the mask because they just they don't want to make any trouble with their neighbors and, of course, supermarkets, some food stores in America. They're requiring that you wear masks to go in and shop or all shops in some states. I know it's ridiculous. 
But, you know, if you want to buy groceries or you want to eat, you have to play the game. So you have to put on the stupid mask. Okay. That's one reason. Go along to get along. I get that. I'd probably have to do the same thing myself if it was required. Although there's probably a workaround for everything. If you're crafty enough, you can figure out a way to avoid having to put yourself in that position. But, alas, it's inconvenient. How long will this go on? The other people that are wearing it are people who are generally af afraid of catching the virus. Considering what I told you about the real science, what the real science is saying, the virus peaked in late March. It's pretty much gone in most countries. It's not an issue. It's only a really a big issue and major issue in the United States and the UK. Of course, they're leading the global agenda for vaccinations and for promoting this concept of the new normal, which is, is heavily driven by Silicon Valley and California. Okay, implementing that via the World Economic Forum, which meets in Davos every uh, January and February. So there's people who are generally scared. And, and you would put that under the label of hypochondria. Uh, it's an irrational fear of catching germs or being sick. And it's mostly psychological. That's called hypochondria. So if you have this, you suffer from this, you're a hypochondriac. And there's quite a few of those in America even before the COVID crisis came along. A lot of Americans are notorious for being hypochondriacs. Why? Simple. Because if you watch TV in America, the number one advertiser on all the major networks are pharmaceutical companies. And they're advertising drugs every commercial break on every channel practically. This is one of the number one income sources for these media outlets. So when you're being pelted with that level of propaganda every day, every hour of every day, if you watch television, uh, you're going to possibly become more self-conscious about various conditions that you think you might have. And you very well might have some of those conditions. But if you didn't have an irrational universal fear of the seasonal flu your whole life or catching 100 different possible bacterias or viruses that could trigger viral or bacterial pneumonia, okay? If that didn't uh, rock your world before 2020, why is it rocking your world in 2020? Because, in fact, the, the COVID-19 disease is no more of a threat. In fact, if you're below the age of 60 and you're in relatively good health, especially if you're a female, uh, very little, if any, chance that you're going to uh, encounter this as any serious infection. There's more of a chance that you're going to get the serious flu. So for certain demographics, you're at more risk of the seasonal flu than COVID-19. You're at more risk 
of possibly some other uh, complications regarding pneumonia as it relates to the common cold than you are of the dreaded COVID-19, which we dubbed last week as the rock star of respiratory viruses. COVID is the ultimate all-conquering rock star of respiratory viruses. Think of COVID like a supergroup. COVID is the Rolling Stones of respiratory viruses. And the establishment, the media, uh, government lackeys want you to think that just like Mick Jagger, that COVID is going to be touring the world forever and ever and ever. And then after that, even longer than Keith Richards, who will outlast us all, of course. So that it just keeps going and going and it never stops. The crisis never ends. The death count never ends. It just keeps ticking over and over and over like a taxi that drove into a ditch. And someone found this taxi a year later and the meter was still running. What do you think that fare is after a year of the meter running in that cab? Over and over and over. It just keeps ticking over for the first time in history we're going to be keeping score of a seasonal respiratory virus year round year after year keeping a total tally number in order to create the impression of a pandemic when in fact epidemiologists are only looking at it in in a seasonal way so it's madness to be wearing a mask knowing what we know now. But if you're not paying attention to the science, you wouldn't know any of this. If you're watching mainstream media, you won't know any of this. Even if you're watching YouTube, you might not know all of this because it's being heavily censored. It's still there. The studies are still being done. Serological immunization prevalence uh, or immunity prevalence studies are being done all over the world. With, with new results coming in every day, more testings being done, etc., the infection fatality rate is only going in one direction, ladies and gentlemen. It's going down, and it will continue to go down. So as the New York Times and others keep their taxi meter running on COVID, the real science, it's an on downward trajectory. In other words, the odds of you catching it and the, the odds of you having any complications from it um, are, are, are massive. So the odds that you'll massively, massively low. So you're not going to catch it. You're not going to be hospitalized from it. You're not going to die from it. If you are, you are in the extreme minority percentile. It's, 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 it's getting into... Uh, pretty close to the odds of you dying of COVID are much, much lower, in fact, than getting in an auto accident. Yet people get out in their cars every day. Every day they get out in their cars. And there's more of a chance of being seriously injured or dying in an auto accident than dying from COVID. Think about that for a minute. Think about that really carefully. And ask yourself the question, does that mean we should ban cars? 
Does that mean we should scrap cars? Well, of course, there's some people, including the uh, Svengali's at uh, Google, who want to see that happen. So back to the masks. So just to review, there's those who are uh, wearing it to get along, you know, go along to get along. There's those who are wearing it because they're generally scared of catching the virus or they maybe have some kind of serious health condition that would put them in a serious risk category. And by all means, that is your prerogative. If you feel that uh, wearing that mask is going to keep you safe, despite what even Fauci said, that it probably won't, do it anyway if it makes you feel good. If you're doing it to make other people feel safe, well, that's just uh, getting into some strange territory psychologically. But there's people who are doing that too. They themselves aren't scared. They're not hypochondriacs. They're going along to get along and because, you know, to make their paranoid brothers and sisters at Costco feel uh, more, you know, secure in their own safety. Then there's this other category of people who I want to talk about. These are the people that are wearing it because it's become a, a, a symbol of sorts. It's, be, it's, a, it's a type of virtue signaling. And certainly politicians fall into this category. And a lot of these cynical operatives know damn well that COVID-19 is not a lethal threat. But they'll go up there and they will literally give speeches in public wearing a black mask like Justin Trudeau from Canada is an example. Or Mayor Jacob Frey or Fry from Minneapolis, he'll go up and speak in public wearing a mask. Okay, the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. Why would you do that outdoors? Especially when being outdoors uh, is probably the safest place you could be if you were scared of COVID. Again, nothing in this upside-down world seems to make sense that we're seeing. The world has gone completely bonkers. They've gone mad. So why... What is this special category, people? They're, they're virtue signaling. This is what their mask represents. They're showing their virtue. But, but their virtue is predicated on conformity. In other words, I am conforming. I'm obeying. I am virtuous. I am doing what the crowd is doing. Therefore, I am virtuous. So in a way, wearing a mask, it validates you from a political standpoint, from a social standpoint, is what social scientists call social desirability factor, which is hugely influential in all sorts of decisions that people make on a day-to-day -day basis. It's one of the useful things that's come out of social science uh, and, and also made its way into polling is that idea of social desirability. But in this case... It's a complete crock. It's based on a lie. It's based on a whole string of lies and bucket loads of propaganda. So what you're seeing is a pantomime. What you're seeing is a theatrical performance. And it, it, it becomes a problem when, and, and here, here this brings us to the important part of this discussion, this was a perfect storm. The protests were a perfect storm. They could only have happened 
at this particular time, in this particular situation, in this particular situation where people have been locked up for three months, more or less, some people doing it voluntarily, but even in, and some people enjoying their self-isolation because in the last 20 years, especially since the advent of the internet, and a lot of psychologists have commented on this as well, there's an increased prevalence of uh, what we would call the atomization of society. So this is individualism taken to the extreme, whereby you retreat into your own individual habitats or bubble. Your own bubble, you have your own social media platforms, your, your profiles on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, TikTok, uh, Snapchat, etc. You live in that virtual world. It's a much higher level of, of individualism, but, but bordering on narcissism. And for some people, not even borderline. It, it becomes your identity online, your digital world takes precedence over your real world experiences. And so we have a, a potentially, and it's not me saying this, it, there, there's an ample amount of material on this uh, in the field of psychology. You can just Google away. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not promoting Google. Duck, duck, go your way into that field and find plenty of studies uh, about this. So more narcissism, uh, more illusory, illusory uh digital experiences. So there's a lot of people that voluntarily retreated into their lockdown environments. They loved it. More time to catch up on binge watching of, of TV series, movies, etc. Uh, more time online, on social media, so on Skype and Zoom. And uh, no, so that's, it was, it was a perfect storm, really, for that. So what happened? An opportunity came with the death of George Floyd. And to be quite honest, the people that came out to protest, they're, they weren't really afraid of COVID-19. If, if, if they were really scared of it, they probably wouldn't have come out in droves. There's people that probably didn't come out because they were scared of catching COVID. But most people sort of, you know, done with it. But they're still wearing their masks, which is interesting. They're still wearing their masks. So why are they wearing? They're not wearing their masks because they're afraid of COVID. They're wearing their masks because it symbolizes uh, part of a, a, an amorphous mob. And certain people have certain styles on their mask and it sends a signal depending on what style of mask you have and so forth. It's become a bit of a fashion statement. Not only that, the schools have been closed. So because the government ordered a shutdown of the economy, locked people up, filled out the unemployment rolls within America, some 40 million new people on the unemployment rolls. So you have people who are jobless, locked in their house, students who should be in school. All of these people are 
good candidates to react to some kind of social justice uh, explosion. And that's exactly what happened. So you wouldn't have, you would not see these numbers during normal times. It's a phenomenon. It's specific to this situation. It was the perfect storm. <laughs>